have a message. It's called a hot, hot, H-O-T. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking hot today. Tell them that. <laughs> Our text will be, come on, I just made a, a single guy's day. He was wondering how to say something to her, and it was perfect. The first thing he was able to say, you're looking hot. Luke chapter 17 was our text. Before we open it, let me share something that's meaningful to me. And uh, it made me laugh. A bagpiper was asked by a funeral director to play at a gravesite service for a homeless man. He had no family or friends, so the service was to be held at a cemetery in the countryside. As the bagpiper was not familiar with that area, he got lost, and being a proud man didn't ask for directions. It should just say, just being a normal man. <laughs> Finally, an hour late, he arrived and saw the funeral director had evidently gone, and the hearse was nowhere in sight. There were only diggers and a crew left, and they were eating lunch. He felt very bad and apologized to the men for being late. He went to the side of the grave and looked down and saw the vault lid had already been in place. Not knowing what else to do, he started to play. The workers put down their lunches and began to gather around. He played, his, he played out his heart and soul for the man with no family or friends. As he played Amazing Grace, the workers began to weep. They wept, he wept, they all wept together. When he finished, he packed up his bagpipes and started for his car. Though his head hung low, his heart was full. As he opened the door to his car, he heard one of the workers say, I never seen nothing like that before, and I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. <laughs> That's all I got. Luke 17. It happened that as Jesus went through Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. He entered into a certain village. There met him 10 men who were lepers. They were standing afar off, and they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. When he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. But one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who, who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Father, we thank you for your word that's living and powerful. Sharper than a children's sword. Anoint your word, anoint your servant, anoint your people. Do miracles, encourage, reveal, deliver, and heal. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just three simple points. My first point is hungry. Hungry. Christ was coming into a village, and if you read the Gospels, you'll see that maybe a majority of the miracles of Christ happened on his way to some place. They were miracles in journey. Christ is coming there and outside the city. They wouldn't be allowed to be in the city because leprosy is a contagious, horrific disease. And so 
These men who we don't know their names, we don't know their ages, we don't know their economic places, we just know that their common bond was their common pain, their disease, and so they're a tribe, they're a group of united lepers. And they see Jesus, and they're ready for a miracle. And they begin to lift up their voice in a chorus, a shout, a declaration, a petition to God. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And, and Jesus, who is, who is love with flesh on, stood still. And he turned toward them. My, my, my first point is this. Every revival for 2,000 years of church history began when someone got hungry for God. Spiritual hunger is a precursor. It is a necessary ingredient and maybe the most important part of a move of God. The Bible says this. Christ said this to us in Matthew 5. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? They shall be filled. God will pass over a thousand satisfied and full, complacent and content people to find that one hungry person. In fact, Second Chronicles 16 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the face of the whole earth that he may show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are loyal toward him. God finds the hungry person. And so spiritual hunger is something we can develop, nurture, and strengthen. One time Christ was teaching, especially to the Pharisees, and he said, woe to you that are full. I always add my translation, of it. <laughs> and he said this, because you're satisfied with dead religion, you're missing the miraculous manifestation of the Messiah of Israel. You're missing what God's doing because you ate junk food. You ate the wrong food. You're full of something other than God. So our job is to stay hungry is to nurture spiritual hunger. It's so important. It's so necessary in our journey with God. It is a part of the miraculous breakthroughs God wants to give us. In Isaiah 55, the Bible says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he, was, he is near. Are you hungry to know Jesus better? Are you hungry to be more like Jesus? Are you hungry for change? When your hunger for change exceeds your contentment or the pain of your past, you move into a season of miracles. They could have lived the rest of their life with the status quo of leprosy. So let's talk about leprosy. The greatest leprosy in life is the leprosy of sin. We were all born lepers, contaminated by our forefathers and foremothers because of the sinful condition, the fallen condition of man. But when we called upon Jesus, he heard us and forgave us and saved us. We are a bunch of ex-lepers made new and whole by Jesus. And there's the leprosy 25 years ago. I had the leprosy of a clinical manic suicidal depression, but I called upon, I could have lived the rest of my life sad and mad, suicidal and self-destructive, but I called on Jesus. I got hungry to be better. And I said, God, whatever it takes, I'll do it. Stephen Tony said, God, whatever it takes to heal our marriage, we'll do it. God responds to hungry people. 
He responds, blessed are the desperate. How hungry are you? And, and people ask me all the time, like I spent the last couple of weeks prophesying all over the world, doing things in that arena of the gifts. And people ask me all the time, how can I, how can I prophesy like you? Get hungry. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So there's nine spiritual gifts, and God elevates one, not to be the most important, but to be the most available. And he says, every believer is supposed to prophesy. Well, how did it happen to you? Well, I'm 19, 20, and I'm reading the book of John. And Jesus said, when the comforter comes, he will show us things to come. And I read that, and I, and I thought, how come I'm not seeing things to come? And I, for a month straight, I, I said every day, all day long, thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing me things to come. You know what happened? He started showing me things to come. I think if the prophecy started flowing, it hasn't stopped flowing. Okay, 45 years later. Now, here's my point. Spiritual gifts are for everybody, but only the hungry get them. Come on. Only the hungry. God measures our hunger by the determination of our pursuit. Well, you know, I tried. Oh, I tried to speak in tongues, you know. One altar for three minutes. Your pastor speaks in tongues more than you all. I'm a tongue-talking maniac. Why? It keeps me close to the Holy Spirit. So when people are asking, and which they do all the time, I had in one session like three straight hours of prophesying to pastors from around Las Vegas, around the world, and I'm doing that, but I, because I pray in tongues, I was already in the stream. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't, I don't have it. Well, you, you, you need to, in fact, the word desire in the Greek from 1 Corinthians 14 is zeleo. It means to burn with a fiery passion for Y'all with me? Well, if God wants me, he'll do it. Stop it. He's waiting to see how much you want it. There were many lepers that didn't get healed. You know who got healed? The hungry ones. Come on. God doesn't look at a map and say, hmm, I think I'll send revival to Malaysia. And throws a dart. Oh, look at that. God looks for hungry people. He says, okay, they're next. Hunger makes you next in line for the thing God's doing in the earth. We want to stay, maintain, develop spiritual hunger. Okay, number two, H-O-T, hot. We want to be obedient. If you want a breakthrough, if you want to be a part of what God has in this generation, if you want revival, if you want your purpose fulfilled, if you want to maximize your life in the kingdom of God, you have to learn to be obedient. You with me? So here's how obedient work. God doesn't look for talented people. God doesn't look for gifted people and call them and hope that they become obedient. God looks for obedient people. And increases their gifts. He looks for faithful people. So there's, ob obedience is the highest form of worship on earth. 
No, I believe in singing the Spirit. <laughs> there are lots of people that can sing at church wonderful, but the other six days of the week, they're disobedient. And God doesn't measure our worship by an hour of praise. No, I'm a big worshiper, don't get me wrong. God measures it if I'm obedient on Monday, on Tuesday. Now, now listen, Wednesday too, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There's only two times to be obedient, okay? When it's easy and when it's hard, okay? I, always, I love the easy ones. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. Lord, yeah. Cool. Then he asked me to do something. Oh, boy. Here we go. And I do the hard thing. Every time you obey God, God will send a joy that no other life experience can give you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Obedience produces joy. A great joy. A couple verses about being obedient. Isaiah 1 says this. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient. So just a couple points. God loves you. He's merciful. His, God's mercy never ends. You know, God's love is endless. God's care for us. But, but it's one thing for us to need mercy because we did something in disobedience that we need bailed out on. And God will do it. He can do it. It's a whole other thing to obey God and receive a joy a promotion, a blessing, a favor. Like I said, worship, obedience is the highest form, the highest expression of worship. Oh, our obedience is that I love you to God. I love you to God. In John chapter 2, the first miracle John gives record of, Christ is brought to, so, so the, the dynamics of it, Christ is 30, you know, he's single. His mother says, Son, I want you to come to the wedding. Why? Because she's hoping she, he's going to find the right woman. Now, Christ did not marry because he didn't come to have a family. He came to die on the cross. The cross was not an unexpected breach in his earthly journey. The cross was his mission. But he's at the wedding, and uh, his mother says, Son, they've run out of wine. And he says, what has that got to do with me, woman? My time has not yet come. And, and I, in my experience, the women in my world are so much better about timing than I am. Like when God shows me something, I tell my wife, honey, I want to do this. What do you want to do? Tomorrow. I'll come into my staff. Let's do this tomorrow. So God gave me Mary. God gave me Pastor Candace and, and some people that are intelligent. And they say, that's great, you want to do that, that's great, God spoke to you, but we think that's going to take about 10 months to do. My heart always thinks, oh, bummer. I was hoping we could do it in 10 hours. And the woman says, you're ready. And then the woman ignores her son's resistance, turns to the servant and says, whatever my son says to you, do it. You know where miracles happen when you do it? The Bible says, Christ said to the man, 
ten lepers, go show yourself to the priest. And, and that was actually a Levitical process for healing in the Bible. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. They were healed before they got there. Their obedience brought their miracle. As they went, they were healed. And, and, and so, remember he said, whatever he says to you, do it. And, and Jesus said, okay, okay. And there were six at that wedding in Cana, six empty water bottles. You know, like 20 gallons, pretty big containers. And, and, and Jesus said to the servants, go fill them with water. Go fill them with, with what is available in common. You know how God does miracles? When we, when, we, when we give him our availability and our human resource. When we just give him whatever we got. And so they filled the water bottles with water. And then Jesus said, now go take some out and bring it to the guest of honor, to the table of honor. That would be the, this, you know, a politician or prominent business person, the family, the, 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 the in-laws, the mom and dad, the bride, the groom. Go take some wine for water to them. And the Bible says, those servants knew they only had water. But as they walked down the aisle toward that table, God turned the water into wine. Now here's my point. There's always a walk down a fearful aisle before your miracle. Hmm. Doctor told me I had an incurable cancer 20 years ago. Mary was in the room. Gave me the prognosis, the expectation wasn't good. I leaned across the table and said, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. That doctor wanted to send me to the psych ward. But what he didn't know, God was going to turn my water into wine. God needs someone to step out of the boat of comfort and out of the boat of, you know, reason and walk into the realm of revelation and do something crazy. And they tasted, the, the guest of honor said, wow, most folks serve the, the good wine first and the cheap wines last, but you've saved the best wine for last. It's a portrait of the last day church. The last great move will be, of God will be the greatest move of God on the earth, okay? Almost done. Stay with me a couple more minutes. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul is anointed, sanctioned by God to be king of Israel. Now, a couple of points. God did not want Israel to have a king. He raised up judges. There's a whole book in the Bible called Judges. They're not just judges in the way we think about them. They're deliverers. Men and women, champions, you read it in the book of Judges. But all the nations around Israel had kings, and so the people said, they complained to God. They complained to the prophet. They said, we want a king like those other nations. Samuel said, well, if you get a king, you're, you're going to suffer high taxation, cruelty, and all kinds of things. They said, we don't care. We want a king. So they, they chose Saul, and God sanctioned Saul and said, okay, he's the guy. He's head and shoulders taller than others. He starts out okay. But then the prophet said, here's God's first assignment for you. Go destroy the Amalekite nation. If you read the Bible, there's a great history of the Amalekites. They were the first terrorists in the Bible. They tormented, oppressed, and hurt Israel in strategic moments. The Amalekite spirit is the spirit that studies you like an assassin of your destiny and attacks you where you're the weakest, when you're the weakest. 
and God wanted it destroyed. And so Saul, when he goes to fight Amalek, when he goes to fight them, he sees all these promising, handsome, and beautiful young people, and he saves them. He sees all their wealth and claims it and doesn't destroy it. He saved the best things for himself and sent the rest to goodwill. I mean, uh, destroyed it. <laughs> this is for my wife. Who's a, she's a goodwill junkie. I, which I appreciate, honey. You make our dollars stretch so far. It's amazing. Thank you. And thank you for not making me go with you. <laughs> so Saul does not, half obedience is disobedience. So the prophet shows back up. Here's what the prophet says. Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey, everybody shout to obey, is better than sacrifice. And to heed, the f heed then the fat of rams. For re rebellion now, God classifies disobedience as rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness, the thing my own will will resist God's will. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you from being king. So <clears throat> Saul lost his kingdom to disobedience. Now, a couple of minutes, just stay with me. So here's what God said to me. You cannot buy back through sacrifice what you lose through disobedience. Saul said, we're going to have the best church service in history. And we'll sacrifice some of the stuff that we gained. And, and the prophet said, that's not how it works. You can't buy back through sacrifice what you've lost through disobedience. And so there's just nothing more important we give God than our obedience and how valuable it is. Okay? Last point, thankful. Okay? Hot. Hungry, obedient, and thankful. So, ten guys are healed. Everybody say ten. One comes back. He shouts from afar. He glorifies God. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. He's shouting praises to God, moving toward Christ. When he comes to Christ, he wasn't, listen, a half an hour earlier, he couldn't come into Christ's presence. Now he's bowing at his feet because he's healed. All ten realized in their body the disease had been removed. They sensed it, it just like that. And, and nine of them, who, who, who must have all the rest been Jewish, or let's just say nine regular church attenders, so, so accustomed to God doing things, took for granted what God did, and didn't even bother to thank God for it. Here comes this newbie, this Samaritan. Samaritans were... Remember Christ, the, he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Samaritans were persecuted people because they were half Jewish, half Gentile, both by race and religion. And they were hated by both groups, Jews and Gentiles. So Samaritans had it hard, okay? Racial prejudice, religious prejudice. They, they really endured it. So here comes the guy who's grown up with hatred. And he bows to the feet of Christ, giving him thanks. What does Jesus say? Jesus said, your faith has made you well. It's the Greek word, made you well, sozo, to restore, to heal, to deliver, to save. I believe when he came back, every limb that leprosy had eaten off of his body, his toes, his fingers, his nose, his ears, his internal organs, everything leprosy took from him grew back. Thanksgiving, when we're thankful, God gives us more of what we're thankful for. Come on. Thanksgiving keeps it going. 
When we're grateful, God keeps pouring. He keeps pouring it out. And we want to develop the habit of being thankful, grateful, continuously grateful people. David said this in one of my favorite Psalms. He said this, Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt this name together. This poor man cried and the Lord hurt him and delivered him out of all those troubles. Now, here's my point. In psychology, in neurosciences, we know a couple of things. Our minds remember negative events more than positive events. There's markers into our our actual mind. So they can be traumatic or they can just be, <laughs> anybody here married? Every man in this room knows this next story. I don't get in fights with my wife because I never win. It goes something like this, we're disagreeing about something that we don't, but she, she, and, and, so, and she'll say, <clears throat> excuse me, on Tuesday night at 8.45 in 1982, you said this to me. And I look at her like, holy moly. I don't remember last night's dinner. And you've got a 40-year-old memory locked. Our minds, our minds exaggerate the importance of negative things. Our minds exaggerate the quantity of negative things. So we have this negative memory and we forget our positive memories. So David said... I'm breaking the pattern of negative thinking. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will con The discipline of gratitude overcomes the power of negative memories from controlling the way we view life. It's so important. So, so I practice personally, so God healed me from depression, but I do some stuff. One of the things that I do is I practice gratitude. In the morning, I thank God, I love you, I praise you. What a privilege it is to be alive. You are the potter, I'm the clay, you're the shepherd, I'm the sheep. The world is filled with your glory. You've made the heavens. And I thank God for the earth, oceans, the seas, the rivers, the streams, the mountains, the valleys, the, the rocks, the minerals, the beauty, the color, the detail, the order. I thank, oh, then I thank God for the people. Then I thank God for salvation. My sins, I've been healed from the leprosy of sin. I thank him for healing. I thank him for the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, the kingdom of God, the church. I thank him for my family. I thank him for healing me when I was 12 and almost died. I thank him. And by the time I'm done with gratitude, I'm happy. <laughs> Grateful people are happy people. Come on. The discipline of gratitude will create joy and happiness in your heart. Because ungrateful people will always be unhappy people. No matter what, they forget all the good things. Keep bringing up the bad things. Because, you know, our, our, our neuroscience, our minds wired that way, we can overcome that. Often God says to us to remember. Why? Because he knows we forget the good things. Remember. Rehearse. Live in that world. Be governed by it. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Lord says this in his word. It says this. 
don't be drunk with wine where it's excess. Be, be filled with the Spirit. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. He says, here's how you fill the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to God. Be thankful. Give thanks always for all things to God the Father. What, what, so I don't thank God for cancer. I thank God when I have cancer that He's good, He's great, that life is a, a privilege. And I, you can, there's always a reason for believers to be grateful. Come on. We want to practice that. What happens when we do? We get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's funny to me because the next verses after this talk about marriage. And so the, the Bible says, make sure you're drunk before you get married. <laughs> make sure you drink of the Holy Spirit and you're full. And then you're ready for marriage. Uh, that came out wrong. What did Patrick preach about? Getting drunk. Getting drunk. No. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm all done. Worship heals. This guy got a miracle because he worshiped. The faster we worship, the faster we heal. Come on. Worship gives us things we don't deserve to have. Worship takes us places we don't deserve to be. Worship transforms our battleground into holy ground. If the devil can't stop your worship, he can't steal your breakthrough. Worship shuts the mouth of the devil. And worship allows us to keep experiencing the blessing God's given us. Yeah, I'm, I'm believing God's going to help all of us to be hot, to be hungry, to stay obedient, and to be thank you. Thankful, I'm thankful you listened to me today. Would you stand at your feet? Thank you. Prayer team, please join me down front. I was counseling a, 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 a woman about her marriage, and she brought in a list of all the things wrong with her husband. And it, it was probably pretty accurate. And as she's reading the list, I kept thinking, gosh, that could be me, everything on that list she's got. So I asked her to turn the page over, take out a pen, and I said, we're going to make another list of all of your husband's good attributes. By the time we did it, it was like her mind just burst open. She said, oh my gosh, there's more on this list than the other list. But if we keep focusing on the wrong thing, we'll miss the opportunity to be grateful for God, for what he's done, and to let that increase. God can do it. Hey, as we close today's service, make sure if, you're, if you haven't been baptized with water, today's your day. We're going to come and celebrate you. And come, if, if you have some time, come and join and, and root on the folks that will be water baptized. But today, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is the high point of everything we do in this church is to lead people into the saving knowledge of Jesus. The Bible says, God so loved the world, he gave us his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in Jesus would not perish, but have everlasting life. We'd be so honored to pray with you and introduce you to the one who loves you, who died for you. If you've been away from God, make today a homecoming day, a coming back to God day. If you need a healing in your body or your mind, your soul, man, we know God can do it.
we'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're just going through the hardest season of your life. And we want to stand with you in prayer. Anyone that needs prayer, if you come and join us down front, please come forward. Church, just for 90 seconds longer, if you'd worship God with those seeking prayer, come forward. Let's worship God together. forgot this. On Monday this past week, I went to the eye doctor. He tested my eyes about two and a half weeks after the last surgery. And he said, my left eye, which I went totally blinded for four months, has now has 20-20 vision. And he said this. He said this. Your vision is better now than it was before that event happened. Come on, that's who God, that's who our God is. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your loving support. Anyone else come forward for a prayer? We're gonna pray for you and stand with you and believe God to touch you today. Water baptism is gonna be so fun. And we're gonna cheer on those that are being baptized today. Amen. Hey church, before you go, tell someone Jesus loves him like crazy. Come and join us if you can, if you have the time. If you can, have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. God bless you.